My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original... And welcome to Web Crawlers, a podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, and reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. Interesting how I kind of just screwed that up. I'm Ali Siegel. <laughs> I am Melissa Stettin. And we have very special guest host today, Cassidy Ralph Like South. <laughs> Hi, Cassidy. Um, Hello. And we have to, this is the second time we are recording this episode because Melissa and I fucked up big time. So thank you for Whoopsies. coming back again. Long <laughs> brain. <laughs> um, Melissa, do we have any new patrons today? Oh, shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, Caitlin and Shannon. Caitlin and Shannon, welcome to the team. We're so glad to have you here. Cassidy, we are so excited to have you back. I was telling you um, when you did your episode the first time, I literally was texting Melissa and Maria and my boyfriend and my parents being like, this is so interesting. I cannot <laughs> believe I didn't know this already. Like everyone should know this. So Cassidy, I am handing, we are handing over the reins to you. We, we. We, I know. <laughs> I'm I, here, baby. I forgot you're here again. Um, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I, I just slipped back into solo mode again. Cassidy, <laughs> what is your episode about today? Um, hi, my episode today is about a couple things. Uh, the first one is something I think most people do know about, but maybe not like as in gory detail as right. I'm about to give it. It's the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire, uh, which I, oh, a lot yes. of people learned about in school. But there's a person who witnessed that fire who ends up being like a very important historical figure, yet most people don't know her name. So we're going to talk about her as well Ooh. and her legacy. Uh, but to start, here's a horrible story about a horrible fire. Yes. <laughs> Great. Um, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory occupied the top three floors of a 10-story building off Washington Square Park in New York City. On these three floors, they made shirtwaists, which are a type of collared button-down shirt that were made for women. The building itself, now owned by NYU, was built in 1901 and advertised as fireproof. Um, so 
Basically, this is like the Titanic of workplace yeah, tragedies. Yeah, it's the unsinkable <laughs> like ship. Yeah, they're like, nothing bad yeah, the un- I watched the Titanic last night. Ah, oh, first okay. time? <laughs> no, like 30th time. Okay. Good. It's so good. It whole, It's so good. It's really good. Yeah. But yeah, the fireproof building is... Spoiler alert, not fireproof. fireproof. (laughs) Hundreds of workers were crammed into these three floors with little ventilation. Most of them were young women from the ages of 14 to 23 and new to America. Uh, Most were Italian and Jewish immigrants. Uh, Women and children were among the most vulnerable workers at this time, often required to work from sunup to sundown and to bring their work home with them. Uh, They made around $7 to $12 a week, which would approximately be like... Between two hundred and like three seventy five a week today, Ugh, so not so great. <laughs> like working crazy hours and getting paid nothing. Yeah, well, not nothing, but basically nothing. Well, yeah, yeah and then what we'll soon to be- see is like horrible conditions as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the fact that there were like hundreds of people crammed into these floors, like three floors of a spaces. building. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, on March. Uh, nope. On Saturday, March 25th, 1911, at around 4.40 p.m., some workers on the eighth floor noticed a faint glow in a trash can full of fabric scraps. Um, it was never conclusively determined, but people speculate that it was either a match or a cigarette that someone had thrown into the bin and just, like, not thought about it. So it was just a complete accident. Yeah. Complete accident. Trash fire. Um, garment patterns, those, like, tissue paper templates that you cut out to, like, Mm-hmm. make those were like hanging up uh above the fire um like oh, above everyone and the flames mm-hmm. would reach up and ignite those oh, uh then there were fabric scraps that had carpeted the floor of the work area and huge swaths of material hung from lines above their heads so they could just pull down material just and cut flammable as it goes. everywhere yeah everywhere Crazy. everything <laughs> uh, i don't know why i'm laughing it's really sad <laughs> No, um, it's just it's a nervous <laughs> crazy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the embers from the tissue paper templates scattered around the room, landing on the piles and the sheets of fabric, igniting those as well. So, God. like, Jesus. just little pieces of embers went everywhere and just coated the building. Um, it's like what you would use to start a fire. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. if they have what's in this place. Yeah, if they wanted it to catch on fire, they could not have done a better job. Yeah. But I don't it's think crazy. that they wanted it to catch on fire. Um, within seconds, this went from a very small trash fire to engulfing the entire eighth floor. Wow. A bookkeeper called up to the tenth floor to tell them about the fire, but this only gave them about a few extra seconds, really, to evacuate. Um, there was no fire alarm or a way to alert the workers on the ninth floor. No fire alarm. No fire alarm. Uh, so the ninth floor workers only learned there was a fire because smoke and flames arrived on their floor. Jesus. One of the two staircases had been locked to prevent theft by workers, which is just, um, come on. Uh, like where the people are not taking fabric home like scraps of fabric also it says the first fire alarm system was invented in eight feet 1852 so fire alarms had already been invented obviously i'm sure that they They were plenty of time yeah Yeah, i just don't think they were legally required yeah Yeah. right it's just cutting corners everywhere they can which not good (laughs) yeah um So yeah, one of, one of the two staircases was locked, um, and the foreman who locked that staircase was actually there, and he had the only key, and he left. Oh. <laughs> uh, so he just left with the locked door, just ran outside. He, he got out fine. Um, Good for him. Oh, not God. the same for a lot of people. Jesus. Uh, some people got out through the unlocked staircase, but it was very quickly blocked by fire. Um, because they couldn't go down, many chose to climb up, which in my mind is like, you can't do that. Like you watch a horror film and they go upstairs and you're like, why are you going upstairs? Yeah. Yeah. Always go down unless you're on the Titanic. Yeah. Most of the people who fled to the roof survived. Whoa. (laughs) So it actually like was the right move. Um, Wow. I would think, so that's, think that's the right weird. move. That's what I would do if there was a fire. Well, you would survive, and Melissa and I would not. <laughs> I would die. <laughs> we would just be like, <laughs> flames rise. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go through these staircases. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have the right instincts for that. 
There were also two freight elevators, which two brave operators took up and down three times to fill with workers and help them escape. Mm. They would have kept going, but both of those elevators became unusable after their third trips. Um, There was also an external fire escape, but it was flimsy and in terrible condition. It didn't go all the way to the ground, and with about 20 (laughs) people on it, it twisted and peeled away from the building. Those who didn't fall off held on to what was left of the fire escape, but with nowhere to go, were developed by smoke and flames. Oh, so horrific. Which is worse, like, falling to your death or, like, holding on and just being burned alive, like... Ugh. And that has to be one of the worst <laughs> ways to die, I think, is being burned alive. I mean, yeah, yeah, be like, yeah. So and like in the sky, people. like you're not only being burned alive, but you're also like at a terrifying height. Like it's yeah. just the worst, worst case oh, scenario. Uh, it's going to keep getting a little bit more horrific, but then we get to go into <laughs> cool. a sweet little history lesson. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is just like, and I had to make it web. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be inspiring after this part. <laughs> The fire department was on scene within minutes, but the ladders they had only extended to the sixth floor. If you remember, the fire was on the eighth floor and went up. So they were two floors too low with the fire trucks. That's Um, insane. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, A witness, Louis Waldman, described the scene. Emma, read exactly how he either said it or wrote it. Um, It is beautiful prose, and I would love to read anything this man wrote, but it's, it's like, horrible, but you'll hear. Uh, The police had thrown up a cordon around the area, and the firemen were helplessly fighting the blaze. Horrified and helpless, the crowds looked up at the burning building, saw girl after girl appear at the reddened windows, pause for a terrified moment, and then leap to the pavement below. This went on for what seemed a ghastly eternity. Occasionally, a girl who had hesitated too long was licked by pursuing flames and screaming with clothing and hair ablaze, plunged like a living torch to the street. Oh, man. Wow. Wow. God, it's like descriptive. So descriptive. So horrifying. Yeah. Like, um, beautiful. But yeah, yeah I like wish I talked like that. Stated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another witness, Francis Perkins, remarked the men were trying to put up a net to catch people, but the weight of the bodies was so great and the speed at which they were traveling, they broke through the net, they hit the oh sidewalk. Oh, Just doing Christ. everything wrong. Every single thing that could go wrong Crazy. went wrong. Yes, thing after thing. Oh. Um, and we'll come back to Francis in a, in a moment, and that'll be when we're not talking about sad stuff anymore. <laughs> um, 146 people died. 123 of which were young women and girls, and 62 were people who jumped to their death. My God. For a little levity, there was one man, Hyman Meschel, who was 21 years old, who survived. Um, He smashed a glass window to get into the elevator shaft, where he slid down the cables to the basement, like a fire pole, but really hot cables (laughs) that, like, ripped through the flesh on his hands, but he got down. Um... He then waited in the basement, but the basement was filling with water from the fire trucks that were just shooting water at the building, and it just all went down into the basement. Um, So they found him a few hours later, almost entirely submerged in the basement. So it's crazy that he survived. Yeah. Oh, my God. The company's owners, Max Blank and Isaac Harris, who were actually there, which surprised me. I feel like most company owners spend time like not at the building. Um, They survived by escaping to the roof uh, and they were charged with manslaughter, but they were found not guilty by a jury. Um, later, a civil suit was brought against them, and they were ordered to pay $75 to each victim, which would be about two grand today. Interesting. If you think about it, I'm sure at that time, minorities couldn't serve on juries. I'm not sure, but I, oh, I, yeah. I have to think of, I'd, I'd have to look into that. And this was a minority population who are all working mm-hmm. at the shirtwaist factory and women. So I'm sure that the... Yeah jury didn't have a lot the all male oh, all right. white male jury was yeah, like uh, capitalism's more important than <laughs> totally. the right. yeah uh max blank one of the owners was later arrested for knowingly locking another stairwell during working hours at a different factory so he just didn't learn anything this guy loves locking doors Imagine not learning your lesson after that yeah <laughs> he just loves it he can't get enough <laughs> <Maybe it's> ocd <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we're actually not being kind enough to Max. That'd be like the only thing that would <laughs> Yeah, now I feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was given the minimum fine for that, and neither owners ever faced any real consequences for the deaths that their negligence caused. Horrific. Yeah, real bad stuff. And I'm trying to remember, like, what we learned of that in school, because everything... As I was researching it, everything was, like, so shockingly horrible that I can't remember, like, what I learned at any point other than that a fire happened. I think eventually it was probably used as a case for workers' rights. And that's true. Oh, <laughs> We're yeah, going to hear I about think. that in a second, actually. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. Continue. But it's weird. Yeah, that, no, but know. it's weird that this woman's <laughs> name never came up. Like, we just never learned her name. And this is the part where I was texting everyone being like, can you believe this? How do we not know who this woman is? Like, she should be on money. So yeah. this is incredible. So let's let's get into her. Yeah, let's dive into not that. not No more sad fire stuff. Um, okay, so her name, Frank, Frances Perkins. Allie, I know you know her now, but Melissa, had you ever heard of her? Nope. I have not. Look at that. What I don't know how much Ali told you, but <laughs> we'll see. I didn't say anything because I thought. Oh, we amazing. Yeah, I thought we were going to listen to the I episode. I know. And I thought I was going to edit the episode. <laughs> I was like, I'll learn all about it. Oh, no. Wrong. <laughs> but now we're here. Yeah. We're here, baby. Now, get your pens and pencils time out. It's time to take the notes. Um, so Frances Perkins is a singularly important historical figure, yet very few know about her. Her impact has had a lasting effect on literally every single American. Uh, Francis was the primary architect of the New Deal, which was championed as President FDR's solution to the Great Depression. She was in every respect a self-made woman who rose from humble New England origins to become America's leading advocate for industrial safety and workers' rights. Can you tell that I lifted that bit from an article? (laughs) Like, not how I've written anything else. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, So the day of the fire, Frances was visiting a friend in Washington Square Park and just happened to be there and happened to witness it. That's crazy. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And she was actually already an advocate for poor and working class people. Um, And then this incident, like, just made her... I have it written down here like this, and I said this last time that I wasn't going to say it, but it lit a fire under her. Uh, There's really no way to say it. Okay. (laughs) But it really did. I can't think of a better idiom for it. No? Um, It works. Yeah. It sucks, but it's it's what you got to say. Honestly, though... (laughs) I'm going to go on like one of my weird spiritual things, but like everything happens for a reason and what a gigantic tragedy, but it ended up creating Francis happened to be there at the moment and witness it. And then from that, she created so much good that lasts till Mm -hmm. today. Like, yeah. It would have been amazing if this was able to happen, like, without the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. You know what I mean? But, like, it's just crazy. Like, everything happens for a reason. Like, if you can look back at things and be like, okay, some good did come out of such a horrific event. Like, it's just interesting that because she happened to be there when this happened, she was able to create all these incredible things because because of it. So, in spite of it... I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. Oh, God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> there is actually a spiritual thing that I added into it because I started listening to this the audiobook of the book that I like recommended oh. you last time we recorded. Uh, it's an 18-hour audiobook, so I did not Ooh. finish it. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, I always kind of thought audiobook. I was like, oh, audiobook, that's so easy. Like you're just, It's like yeah. listening to a podcast and then it's done, but it's seems no. like it's actually just as hard as reading a book. I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? This time I could listen to the book. I could put more stuff in. I put like three extra facts in there. It was way too long. Um, but there is like a spiritualism thing oh, from the book that I got. So, oh. And I know last time you read her horoscope, right? Did I? That sounds a lot like me. <laughs> sounds like something you um, would do. But it was like, it was like too accurate. It was like crazy how yeah, accurate it was. Like it was oh. So, oh, interesting. I'll have to do. That I don't again. remember what she is, Science but yeah, maybe yeah, maybe I'll, I'll do that again. Yeah, I'll look into it. <laughs> um, 
All right, let's see. Okay, so the fire at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory was, she later proclaimed, the day the New Deal was born. So that's like, speaks exactly to what you were mm-hmm, saying. Yeah. Like, visiting that, or seeing that happen yeah. made her create like the, the fucking New Deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, in response to the fire, a Citizens Committee on Safety was established to recommend practices to prevent further tragedy in the city's factories. Um, and Frances Perkins was that group's executive secretary. And by that time, a recognized expert in the field of worker health and safety. She served as expert witness, investigator, and guide, leading legislators on inspections of the state's factories and work sites. The commission's work resulted in the most comprehensive set of laws governing workplace health and safety in the nation. These new laws became a model for other states and the federal government. Wow. So sweet. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. <laughs> she just made really good laws and they were like, okay, let's do this everywhere. Which is crazy because I think we spoke about last time. At this point, women couldn't even vote, right? Yeah, yeah. She was working in government. I think she was able to vote when she was 40. Yeah, she. I don't know if that's like a fact. Whoa. Right. I wouldn't put that as like an actual fact, but I'm pretty sure she was almost 40. Yeah, right. so she was creating she was drafting laws that the president was putting into effect and she wasn't even allowed to vote on them at this That's point. That's insane. Wild. Yeah. I don't know why I gave like all this like detailed stuff on her and then I introduce her as a person, but whatever. Frances Perkins was born Fanny Coralie Perkins in 1880 in Boston. So like sounds like we haven't talked about her at all yet. <laughs> no, um, I like it. She earned a bachelor's degree in chemistry and physics wow. from Mount Holyoke College Ooh. in 1902. Um, so she's just like one of those people who is constantly working and yeah. constantly trying to make herself better and the world around her better. Like I, she's like a one in a generation kind yeah, of person, you know? Nice, yeah. 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 Um, at that time, only 3% of women went on to higher education. Wow. So she spent her what? whole life just like breaking down, breaking down walls, just doing, Wow. it was 1902. Like it's not that long ago. No, that's right. <laughs> well, this country has come a kind of long way, but has way more yeah, to go. Totally. Oh, this was just like a tidbit that I liked. She taught science at a girls' school in Illinois, where parents were assured that their daughters would not become intellectuals. Oh my god! <laughs> like that's, that's so the funny. time period we're working in. Is like women are allowed to co- go to college, but just until their sophomore year when they find a man to yeah, their they, get their ball. Mrs. degree. <laughs> Or yeah, like their exactly. MRS. Yeah. So great. <laughs> that was like the whole thing in Mona Lisa Smile. Remember that mm. Julia Roberts movie where she played like a college oh, professor yeah. and like all the girls are like, we're only here to like meet a man in college. That's like why we go to college is like to meet yeah. a husband. Oh, no, and then no, we no, drop no. out. Yeah. I mean, not Francis. Not a good. Not a I mean, point. listen. Yeah. Yeah, where my you, Mona Lisa you Smile do. heads at? Yo, where they at? <laughs> <laughs> But diving back in Sorry. in 19 no you're fine you're fine i'm like i'm the i'm not the i'm not the best at um what are they called transitions no, <laughs> what's <okay>. the word <laughs> um in 1907 she left teaching and moved to philly where she took a job with the philadelphia research and protective association she arrived with very little money and nowhere to stay along with a large number of immigrants and young black women from the South who were easily lured into prostitution at 10 cent lodging houses and fake employment offices. Her job was to pose as a potential victim to get inside and find out where this was happening. So she like had to pretend that she was like looking for a job as a prostitute and like figure out like what the pimps, I don't know what the PC term is, but like what the pimps were doing and like, like gonzo journalism really yeah. dangerous work that's crazy yeah he that woman it, like who, that woman um who went into the um psychiatric hospitals yeah oh god what was her name yeah. she was the first undercover reporter first nelly an episode Bly? on her yeah nelly no. bly <laughs> I learned that from web crawlers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then there was also that American Horror Story season where uh, Sarah Paulson's character does the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's based on Nellie Bly. I bet you it is. Wow. I love American Horror Story. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Did you watch this season? I did. I didn't finish it. I've been like, 
on a real X-Files binge. And so I'm having a hard time watching anything else. (laughs) I get that. I've never watched X-Files. I actually, which is crazy. I know. I need to watch it for the pilot. That's what I did. I started watching it from the pilot. I'm not joking when I say, like, I'm 30. So the show came out the same year as me. And I truly feel like. Wow. I have always been meant to see this show and it's like making me it's like making me more who I am because I'm finally I I have very quickly adopted the like fan base I like check the subreddit every day for their stupid little memes oh wow that's so funny oh my god I love that such a huge fan base and i'm like i discovered the x files did you guys hear about this <laughs> yeah, show, heard about this show? <laughs> <laughs> like making it my entire personality every date i go on i'm like, like hey so what do you think, think of, of the x files are you a molder or are you a scully and everyone is one of them but ali i'm if you take anything away from this podcast before uh, melissa deletes it remember <laughs> remember to start the x-files okay i go i honestly will tonight i'm gonna start the x-files I, oh man i'm to, so I excited will. for you okay. yeah skip the super bowl just do this yeah, I will. yeah x-files is my super bowl i love um yeah so that job where she was going in and like pretending to be a crazy prospective prostitute uh she only got fifty dollars a week um and she regularly had to pawn and then repurchase her own watch to like get enough money to like get by oh my god so she she's like not out for herself in any type of way like truly took jobs that weren't good for her or like yeah she just wanted to help yeah she just wanted to help at like with by any means necessary. She was like raised in a house that was Republican too, and so they were all like Whoa. not into her. Oh, I think like there were other people in the family who I wish I had taken more notes on her like early life because I'm going to butcher yeah. this. But she she did have like positive influences in the house, and obviously they were like cool with her being an independent woman and. Right. Uh, working and like going to school but yeah they were yeah republican and she would get into fights with her dad i think about it oh, um, interesting because also republican then is very different from what republican is sure now yeah, yeah. <laughs> republican then is more like f- fiscal uh right than it is mm-hmm. um uh, the other things it's less like it's less like hate-based back yeah it's less yeah. Hate, hate <laughs> more policy-based more policy-based yeah um but that's interesting that she like ha- she just had her own ideals that yeah. were completely yeah different from her family she just that's everything cool. she saw she would like i think she was like very very empathetic and so like anything yes. she saw that was like not right other yeah. people would be like, well, that's not a situation I'll ever be in because right, that's I'm not, not my a problem, woman or so I'm not right. black or whatever. But she was like, I don't like seeing suffering anywhere and I'm going to work my whole life to eradicate it. Yeah. And that's interesting because like she she mixed her like empathy with fiscal policy, which like you'll get into. But like, yeah, her policies were like financially like mo- <laughs> Bye. You continue. <laughs> I was like <laughs> I was right there with you. I couldn't fill in the blanks, but I know exactly I, what I you're saying. But you know what it. I'm saying, but I can't yeah. I can't finish the <laughs> That's so funny. Um after Philly, she moved to New York, went to Columbia University. Um, the focus Ooh. of her graduate work there was uh, had her surveying the conditions in Hell's Kitchen, known at the time for corruption and poverty. I used to live there. So did I. Wait, I lived on 46th and 9th. Where did you live? I was on 51st and 8th. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so cute. Um, Empanada yeah, Mama's. Like, Empanada Mama. I had Empanada Mama two nights ago, actually. What? <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. at my friend's that's birthday great. party, they like she got it catered. It was exciting. Oh, that sounds um, cool. Do you feel yeah, left out, Allie? Good. They've never I lived know. in New York. I'm afraid in New York, so you guys have fun. Have you never been to New York at all? I've been like twice, but I I think it, every time I see like things about New York, I'm like I just I'm not cut out for it. The rats. That's so funny. <laughs> it's just, everyone, I think it's like it's, it's too hard, hard, hardcore for me. 
Yeah, I'm very hard. I, that's like, that's my vibe. I'm just like, I'm really hard. Yeah, so hard. I'm hard. I'm intense. So New York has face tattoos for people who can't mm-hmm. see. Yeah, I just, no, just cover those up a little I would, bit. I like, just cry a lot and get lost. <laughs> you do that for the first couple years. You cry a lot the first couple yeah. years and then you never cry again. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. they beat it out of you. Then you're just like so intense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's what happened to Frances. Uh, <laughs> she was working in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, then she moved to Greenwich Village where she met the future president, Roosevelt, at an afternoon tea party. Crazy. Whoa. Um, yeah. After campaigning for her friend Al Smith, he became the governor of New York and he appointed her as the first woman on the New York State Industrial Commission. Wow. So I like, definitely like jumped over a bunch of what she was doing in New York, but she was like working yeah. with lots of different people, like doing a lot of networky things. Like yeah. the tea party was for sure networky. Yeah. Um, found the right connections, found men mm-hmm. that she could stand behind yeah. and do a bunch of stuff and let them take credit for it. So yeah, Al Smith governor of new york appointed her uh she asked him what made him think to do that and he said i've seen you up here and you don't talk all around the subject the way most women do you have a man's mind uh oh. and she replied but i only have a good mind sir like how yeah Dang. lovely very cool like not angry just like right yeah here you go like i don't know that's incredible <laughs> She's just like so even keeled and being like, actually, it's not gendered. I'm yeah. Just smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like not saying it in a way that's going to make him feel like, uh, ooh, right. ooh, 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 sorry, did I belittle. upset you? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to be able to. Yeah. She knew how to get her way to talk to men without them getting incredibly emotional yeah. and frustrated. It, um, yeah. Like it's- they're the emotional ones. They're yeah. so emotional. Yeah, if you've ever seen a, a Senate or the House. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, I watched the um the State of the Union the other yeah, day. Like crazy. made my oh, made yeah. my roommate switch yeah. over from whatever she was watching and she was so annoyed that I wanted to watch yeah. the whole thing and look at everyone's faces and yeah. try to read what was going on. Um But yeah, she had a very cool personality that held her aloof from the crowd. Mm. On one occasion, however, she got into it with Alfred P. Sloan, the chairman of the board at General Motors. And that's also his name I know from like a fundraiser, something on like PBS, like the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation. Alfred P. Sloan. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? It could be. It could be. I can hear the voice that it's said in. Right. <laughs> yeah, what is that? Alfred P. That's like I went to the dog park uh, a while back and I was sitting next to someone who was definitely like a radio personality <laughs> yeah. and I couldn't. And I texted my dad and I was like, I think I'm sitting next to Michael Barbaro at the dog park because I just recognized his voice. Really? And then I thought about it more often and it was Ira Glass. <laughs> like, oh my God. Really? To- <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, it was cool, but I was like, I can't believe like that's what happens. Like, yeah. if you see a celebrity, you're at least going to pick someone who, like, kind of looks like yeah. them. But right. I just, just by voices, I That's was like, so I crazy. don't, I can't remember. I recognize someone by their voice. What is the Stuff You Should Know podcast. Mm-hmm. They're the guy, one of the hosts, Chuck. Like, I'd been listening to it for years, and, like, I was out somewhere with friends. Like, I heard his voice, and I'm like, are you the host of a podcast? He's like, I am. I'm like, oh, my God. So I, cool. I didn't know what they look that. like. Yeah. yeah. I hope he asked you if you were the post- host of a podcast. Too. <laughs> it's like, uh, this was pre web crawl. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, but maybe since then he's heard you talk in some public space. I was like, oh my god, that's Melissa. From I oh my god, Melissa that's her. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't. He was. He was like too shy. Let's, oh, so yeah, Alfred P. Sloan. She calls him during a United Auto Workers strike. She works very closely with like unions and mm-hmm. workers' rights and everything. So. She called him in the middle of the night, called him a scoundrel and a skunk for not meeting the union's demands. A <laughs> scoundrel and a skunk. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> like, I know it's just like how people talked in the early 1900s, but I love no, that. I like it. <laughs> um, she said, you don't deserve to be counted among decent men. You'll go to hell when you die. Oh, she that's got amazing. Heated. She got Damn. heated. Like, the way we've described her up to this point, she seems like too good to be true. Yeah. But... She was still, she was a badass. She's a New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. She'll call men up and tell them to go to hell. Go to hell. <laughs> you gotta get angry sometimes. <laughs> Let's take a quick 
break for announcements. Web Crawlers has a Patreon to get access to bonus episodes, shout outs, merch discounts, etc. Please go to patreon.com slash web crawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become a patron. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five star review, we will shout you out. And please continue to call our hotline. Mailbag episodes are up and ready for you. We are running short on uh, voicemails yeah, because we're all caught up. Yeah, we took we took a break for so long. So please call us. Just say whatever. We love we love to have your voicemails, whatever they may say. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Back to our scheduled program. This is the spiritual part. Frances once said she had the ability to see auras, oh. uh, which helped her decide which relationships to cultivate. She described the auras she saw as sparks radiating from certain people. And I can confidently say she did not see those on Alfred P. Sloan. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, now wow. I'm intrigued. I mean, I was intrigued right? this whole time, but now, now I'm going to look up. <laughs> that was, that was one of you. the new facts. That was one <laughs> yeah. of the new facts. So that's like, that's fair that wow. that's the thing that made you think. That's crazy. Um, yeah. And like anytime I've heard people describe aura, I've never heard it described this way. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. Sparks yeah. radiating. Yeah. So... She may have been a little psychic. I can see that. Having earned the cooperation and respect of various political factions, Perkins helped put New York in the forefront of progressive reform. We all know New York now as like an incredibly progressive state, but like she's kind of the reason that yeah. it is. Like she wow. put in all this work here. See, she expanded factory investigations, reduced the work week for women to 48 hours, and championed minimum wage and unemployment insurance laws. She worked vigorously to put an end to child labor and to provide safety for women workers. So all that happened like in New York first, and then wow. the rest of the country slowly, slowly follows. That's amazing. Um, yeah. By ending child labor, some say that Perkins gave American children the concept of a childhood. Whoa. That's just, I just think yeah. that's so nice. Yeah, because otherwise they were just working. You're born, you go to work, and now kids were able to like, cultivate their interests and like yeah. get so to know insane. themselves as people like things we take for granted today like minimum wage like unemployment insurance like yeah. a work week 
which I mean, like, I feel like people, we don't really have a work week, but yeah, um, I, also like <laughs> f- negotiating, reducing it down to 48 hours for women. I'm a woman who yeah, works 50 hours a week in New York. So yeah, I was going to say that one didn't really stand up. Yeah. But, yeah. They didn't hold to the laws there. No child labor, like things that we just take for granted. Yeah. These are because of mm-hmm. her. It's wild. That's unreal. We don't even know her name. <laughs> Still, you should actually bleep her name out every time I say oh it so God, that she can just so stay funny. a secret. <laughs> Who is this woman? <laughs> bleep her the whole episode. Well, like, she really did not <laughs> she did not want to be in the spotlight. Like I I'm kind yeah. of with her on that, like, oh, just give all the like I'm I'm so in awe of people who can like make content like make a podcast put it out there like be on camera every week like this is so nerve-wracking for me i like hate to be perceived i know people are gonna listen and be like this girl's voice this girl laughs too much like someone's gonna have some sort of a thought so i am so like if it were me if i was gonna be making anything i would love to use like a fake name or just like give someone else all the credit like i don't want people to look Mm -hmm. at me well, also, it's so, kind of like true altruism that she's like, I just want to make change. I don't need any of the credit. I yeah. Just and by be being like a people. public figure, she get she would be politicized. Like totally. people would then like pick things right. about her. I mean, her personal life. I wasn't going to talk about it at all. Like I wrote like one thing in there. But like yeah. she got married to a man who later was diagnosed bipolar. And then her she I think it's like preclampsia or something like that like she had a a, she had like a very late stage miscarriage uh like twice and then so she had one daughter she had like a really rough life yeah behind all of this like she's working super hard but she's also like has her own shit you know yeah and she worked with some like women's health center too like after she lost her baby for like other women who were dealing with the same stuff like she had too many hours in the day. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, and she always seems to turn tragedy into something, like, useful. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Um, yeah, so she's very inspiring. Back into my long thing here. <laughs> um, during the Depression, before FDR was elected president, he was the governor of New York, and he promoted Perkins to state industrial commissioner. Uh, Perkins and FDR worked together to create things like unemployment insurance and the nation first, nation's first jobless relief program, as well as calls for an eight-hour workday and 48-hour week. Uh, spoiler alert, FDR won the 1932 election in a landslide, <laughs> in great part because of his promise of the New Deal. Um, just because maybe we all haven't taken high school history in a while. Oh, I was no. just going to briefly gloss <laughs> no, over please, what the New Deal was again. Do. <laughs> uh, the New Deal had three goals, relief, recovery, and reform. Relief meant the president wanted to help those in crisis immediately by creating jobs, bread lines, and welfare. Recovery was aimed at fixing the economy and ending the Depression. And reform was President Roosevelt's objective of finding the sources of the Depression and creating a plan so that it would never happen again. Mm. Bummer there. It for sure has. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, relief recovery, okay. Reform, we have a lot, we have a lot yeah, to, uh, a lot to go to on. <laughs> um, but he did his best. Um, oh, also, this might be obvious to everyone else, but it took me a re- moment to realize the uh, New Deal is a card playing term, like just being dealt new cards. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, oh. That's what make I like I hate the term Green New Deal because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like I get that they're trying to be like this is like like the right. New Deal but like about the environment but like if you think about the words together like we don't get a new deal when the, the with the environment. Like right. <laughs> we have to work with what we have. Yeah. Um right. you set of cards. <laughs> yeah, I'm like it's, you guys have to think about like I get it's fun to name things after things, but yeah. it doesn't make it doesn't any make sense. sense. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my soapbox moment about I like the Green New Deal. I just don't sure. like what it's called. Right. <laughs> um, so FDR asked Perkins to be his Secretary of Labor, making her the first woman to ever serve as a cabinet member for any administration in the history of the United wow. States. Wow. Wild. Look at us go. Women can do it. Uh, this also, fun fact, made her the first woman in history to be in line for the presidency itself. 
Oh, so right. if like if like four people died, right, she would be the president. That's insane. <laughs> um, but those four people didn't die, and she was not the first woman yeah. president. And by this time, she could vote. Nineteen twenty, the Nineteenth Amendment happened, mm, so by this time, yeah. I guess she could vote. Yeah, and by then she was like, "Well, I don't need to vote. I already I make all the laws. Yeah, I make the laws. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do it." Yeah. Yeah. Life hack: If you can't vote, make the <laughs> yeah, laws. Make the laws yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Be the change. Um, so he offered her this job as Secretary of Labor, but before she said yes, uh, she said, "I thought he ought to know. If I'm going to be there, I want to get something done." And when I got mm-hmm. there, I read him my list: first, relief, essential, some form of unemployment insurance, a minimum wage, a shortened work week, old age insurance, which is what we know as Social Security today. Um, oh, wow. deliberate action at the center of government that the constitution could be stretched to promote the general welfare. Oh That's yeah. Right. She fucking created the social, social, social security. security. Wow. <laughs> 1935. I think she Insane. was like, and that was something, I don't know if I have this written in. I don't think I do. She was given like six months to make that happen because of, you know, like campaigning and all other things that are going on. Europe had like, decades to figure out social security and she had six months (laughs) jesus wow yeah Um, all while like she's at home with like a kid having had a miscarriage a bipolar husband and they're like six months to figure out social security yeah yeah she just worked nonstop. so he goes yes 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 you can do it but the blood will be on your own head aka if it didn't work he would blame her. <laughs> cool. So cool, cool. he was like, I'm not going to give you credit if it does work, but if it doesn't work, <laughs> I'm going to throw you under the bus. <laughs> oh my God. So she accepted the job because he said she could work on her list. Um, privately, FDR was Perkins' biggest fan, but publicly he played things differently. He would say, if you get away with it, I'll be your sponsor. If you don't, I've never heard of you. Um, really so good fact. Yeah, really cool guy. Um not to, I mean, FDR has a lot of positives, but right. that's an annoying sure. thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she really had to pave her own way in many regards, even with the support of the president. Um, in office, she would outline what she wanted him to do. <laughs> then she would ask him to repeat it back to her. <laughs> then she would repeat it again. And if it was important <laughs> enough, she would ask him to write it down. She said this also works with 10-year-old boys. That's so funny. <laughs> wow. I mean, she literally like held his hand through his presidency. It was like she was president and he was like a yeah. figurehead kind of. Yeah. Oh, and I the other day I was listening to the episode where you mentioned that this one got deleted at the start and you were talking yeah. about like different different possible episodes. Yeah. Um Woodrow Wilson was really sick with like pneumonia or the flu yeah. or something during his presidency. And his wife ended up being the president oh my God, for really? a while, but like no one knew about it. Yeah, so you guys should do an episode on that. Whoa, <laughs> or even just writing like, that episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she was just like, okay, I guess I have to do because he, I think, was pretending like, not to be sick. So like, all every decision had to be made like she like behind closed doors. Him. <laughs> yeah, I think that's He's, exactly like, what happened. And, like, that's what that movie's <laughs> based on. Yeah. President wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, another unknown woman of history. Wow. Crazy. I know. Yeah. Okay. As Secretary of Labor, Perkins worked hard on many aspects of government, ushering in the New Deal meant designing programs for the American public, and at the time, immigration was a facet of the Department of Labor. So she had a lot on her plate. She was not only, like, working with the Department of Labor, but I don't even know what the Department of Immigration is. Is that just what it's called? Department of Immigration? Yeah, probably. But Sounds she had, like, right. six jobs. <laughs> who knows i'm hoping none of the web crawlers are like too deep into like government and they're doubt it are like someone's like fact checking everything (laughs) i've said (laughs) like this girl's an idiot (laughs) oh one of the most successful aspects of the new deal was the ccc the civilian conservation corps which i had not heard of before researching this episode have either of you heard of no no um the CCC was a voluntary government work relief program that ran from 1933 to 1942 in the United States for unemployed, unmarried men ages 18 to 25, and eventually expanded to the ages of 17 to 28. 
The CCC led a greater public awareness and appreciation of the outdoors and the nation's natural resources. She facilitated the organization of 1,300 camps for young men to live in while they created 800 state parks and planted over 2 billion trees. By the end of the year, 600,000 men had sent home $60 million to their families. That's crazy. Um, Wow. Yeah. And like... Why don't we have that anymore? <laughs> like, yeah. I get they had to stop to do World War II. They needed them to go be abroad. Sure. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> that war ended and we didn't, like, start it back up. But that would be, like, that's why we have, she's a big reason why we have state parks. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. I wonder she if, did if, too um, much. if, like, AmeriCorps is a similar concept. I'm trying to think of who AmeriCorps oh, yeah. was created under. Was it mm-hmm. Clinton? Um, American. And there's like the Peace Corps. Is that the same or is that a different organization? Um, the Peace Corps is international. AmeriCorps is oh, domestic. I, I did a year of AmeriCorps, but you can oh, go awesome. for like different um, factions. So there's um, there is like out. They they call it better than outdoor, but there's like outdoor. You can go to like hospitals or you can work in like the education sector. And basically, you like donate a year of your time and you're paid like are you paid? I don't think you're paid. Um, it's like a year of service, but like they, they, I didn't, I didn't take them cause I don't need them, but they can give you like housing and food stamps and stuff. Wow. And you basically do a year of service. And I think that there is an outdoor one where you like can work at state parks and stuff like that. But I wonder if it's like oh, just wow. based off her concept. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Cause I'm like the CCC should still be a thing. Like yeah try to make try to like reverse the damage we've done (laughs) to this planet and like the state parks are like one of the main reasons people like america so let's not let them go like i don't know let's not let them all catch on fire for example (laughs) which they are (laughs) it's such a crazy world we live in now where we're like wow you guys really could have done a lot (laughs) before we got to this point. Yeah. Sorry, I got a little existential there. I'm going to move back into <laughs> some nice okay. things that Francis did. Um, she was also responsible for opening up the United States to refugees from Nazi Germany and helped over 250,000 people immigrate to the United States. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Just, another, just adding to her roster. And, like, I didn't finish the audiobook. There's more yeah, about her life. This is just, <laughs> like, like, the beginning of what she did. <laughs> this it's is, insane. like, so surface level. Like, I feel like I've worked harder to write this episode than I ever have. Yeah. And that's how she worked, like, her entire... Like, every minute of every day was, like, this much. Uh, <laughs> uh, while Perkins was campaigning for shorter hours for workers, she was working 15-hour days. Oh, she got very wow. little sleep and sometimes would collapse in bed and stay there for two weeks while her daughter brought her food. Oh um, she would Whoa. use this time to recharge before diving back into work. Yeah. Jesus wow. Christ. So I guess she did, she did need the like full reset. Yeah, <laughs> like she yeah. couldn't she go at this level all the exhaustion. time. Yeah. Oh, and just because I mentioned her daughter, I wrote in underneath that about her husband. So she was married, but she kept her own name. And that was like radical at the time. And she actually had to defend her right to keep her maiden name in court. Whoa. That's so sick. What a yeah, Like all the stuff that she was (laughs) dealing with and she had to fucking go to court so that she could keep her own name. That's (laughs) so cool. She's so I wish I like, yeah. She's so cool. (laughs) In June of 1938, the passage of the Fair Labor Standards Act created a federal minimum wage, a 40-hour work week, an eight-hour day, and restrictions on child labor. In five years, nearly the entire wish list that she brought the president in order for her to accept the role of Secretary of Labor had become the law of the land. Um, She had accomplished all but one of the items on the agenda that she had presented to the newly elected president in February of 1933, universal access to health care, which we still don't have. Um, I guess kind of, right? Like Obamacare, we kind of have it, but it's still like... Yeah, very expensive very and, shitty yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah like i have plenty of friends who don't have health insurance because they're like mm-hmm. well it's it's crazy it's easier yeah. <laughs> like maybe maybe i can just like you know if i do go to a hospital then right some, i'll get like a 
grant or something. No, like, everyone's like, I'll just do a GoFundMe. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think like after your episode, there was like a girl from Norway on and she was like, ta- she was like, everything's free. What are you talking about? And I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, there's like a million other things about Francis, but again, couldn't finish the audiobook. Yeah. Could you imagine if I tried to read the actual book? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten nowhere. Uh, so this is the end of this. Francis Perkins suffered a stroke and died at Midtown Hospital oh, in New man. York City on May 14th, 1965, at the age of 85. Wow. So, wow. A lot of time. She had a lot of time yeah. to make yeah, a lot of stuff Yeah, she lived happen. a pretty long life. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Because she had too much to do. What an amazing lady. And say this last part, because that's really, this is really cute. (laughs) Oh, yeah, sure. So I'm dedicating this episode to my dad. Um, He told me about Francis a few years ago. I used to work at a show called Full Frontal with Samantha Bee, where she would do like, it's like a political satire. Yeah. Um, And so... And they were very open about us, like, pitching things. So my dad told me about Francis Perkins. He read this book, the, um, what was it called? The Woman Behind the New Deal. Yeah. And he was like, you gotta, you gotta get that on the show. Like, people need to know about her. And thought that it would be, like, a really good act for the show. So I was like, okay, I'll pitch it, I'll pitch it. And, like... Years went by. I procrastinated. The show got canceled. <laughs> and so oh, I, like, wasn't oh, able yeah. to ever do it. And I felt bad. I was like, damn, I um, I probably should have, like, done something about it when I could. And then with the Patreon episodes. Yeah. And there were some of the first ones people were doing things, like, about, like, that connected to their own lives. Like, it yeah. was, like, a murder in their hometown and something else. So I was like, I should pick a topic that means something to me. Yeah. Um, so one, one, I'm doing something for my dad. And two, uh, I recently unionized with my workplace. Amazing. Um, Whoa, congrats. Thank you. We're in contract negotiations right now. Um, it's going slow, but apparently that's how it goes. But yeah. So like her connection to like workers rights. Yeah. Um, was something that I was That's like really amazing. excited to learn more about. That's do you ever feel bad that um if you had pitched this on time, maybe more people would have known about her from full frontal? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know what? <laughs> great great wow. question. Yeah, I feel awful. Um no, because to be completely honest, I enjoy listening to web crawlers more than I enjoy that watching. Is true. That we're we're kind wow. of like the full frontal of podcasting. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and to be fair, I loved that show. I loved working there, but like, I, yeah, I worked her. on every She's single so episode. So, wow. at a certain wow. point, I was like, I don't think I can like you get keep burned out. Up, yeah. yeah. I didn't want to like. Totally. I didn't. I went like full bimbo for a couple of years because I was like, <laughs> I have to. I have to yeah. like research all these things and like know every single person in government and oh know all God. the horrible things that are happening. Oh. And so I didn't want to know anything. But this year, my goal is to be a bimbo who reads. Yes, so, that's my goal, too. Um, it hasn't happened nice. yet, but it's my goal. Yeah, there's actually I made a vision board at a friend's house. And I Whoa. she had all these like magazines from the 80s and the 90s. And Ooh. there's this picture of Dolly Parton reading a book. And it's so cute. And I'm it, I, that's what I wanted. I was like, that's a bimbo who reads. So that's exactly what I Well, she has the imagination library for those who don't know. And she's donated like millions and millions of books to yeah. uh, public schools all around the world and funded people to go to college like she's incredible. Um, yeah, and she also like funded one of the COVID vaccines. Yeah, yeah, and she like created yeah. Moderna. So um, Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton is <laughs> the Francis Perkins Moderna. of today. Yeah, she is. But Dolly Parton and Francis Perkins are essentially the two most important women um, in America. Yeah. Um, I would agree. <laughs> a portion of the Patreon for this episode is going to go to remember the triangle fire dot uh, org slash donate. And if you want to donate as well, you can go there. Cassidy, thank you for including that in the doc. We really appreciate yeah. that. And we like to donate where we can um, uh, and when we can. Cassidy, if people want to 
follow you, see your work, anything like that. If you want to be followed, where can people do that? <laughs> it's like, don't look at me. Yeah, I, yeah, I know you don't want to be perceived. Don't but- follow me. <laughs> I deleted my Twitter. I only post on close friends on Instagram. Uh, I have a website. I guess if anyone wants yes. like VFX or graphics work, they can go to CassidyRouth.com. Um, I haven't updated it in a while. And so I don't like how it looks, but no, I, I do. I think I, I went to it after our episode. You're, you're an amazing Aww. artist. So we will thank put you. that in the show notes as well. If anyone wants to commission some work. Um, yeah. Cassidy, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it so much. Uh, we will delete this immediately after signing off. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we'll do this I again promise. in like what? Like yeah, two months. And we will see you next week to record again. <laughs> um, <laughs> see you next week. Uh, thank you so much, Cassidy. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Bye. 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 An Elio's original. Powered by ACAST. 